0: Farming program with Arrowquip Steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts.
1: Our special guest this week is NFU President Minette Batters. We'll be putting the farming world to rights a little later, and we look ahead to LAMA back in its usual January home this week.
0: We are back to a full size LAMA with nearly 600 exhibitors. So it's really exciting after three years to be back again in January.
1: And although the grain harvest may be a year away, we'll hear about some new tech that may help when it comes to drying.
2: It controls the loading, the heating, the cooling and the discharge operations of the grain dryer.
1: No agronomy this week. Sean Sparling's back from his holiday next Sunday, but Alice from Openfield and Oliver from Louth Livestock Market review the markets, and we'll see what the weather has in store for us later. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme. With Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. We'll start with a little good news. The government have announced this week the further increase of countryside stewardship revenue option capital items payment rates, with effect from the 1st of January, for all new and existing mid tier and higher tier countryside stewardship agreements. On average, there'll be a 10% increase in revenue rates to reflect increasing prices across agricultural markets, also to ensure that the costs of running the schemes are covered. Capital payments for one-off projects, such as hedgerow creation or concrete yard renewals, will increase on average by 48%. We'll have more detail on this next week on The Farming Programme. And food inflation has reached a new high of 13.3% this past month, mainly down to the price of basics such as eggs and dairy products. This is a new record, up from 12.4% in November, the British Retail Consortium's index shows, and this is the highest monthly rate since they began collecting data in 2005. The increase was caused by the high cost of fertiliser, animal feed and energy due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the BRC explained. Helen Dickinson, the body's chief exec, said that inflation shows no immediate signs of waning. It was a challenging Christmas for many households across the UK, she said, warning that 2023 will be another difficult year for consumers and businesses. Farming show Lama is back in its January home for the first time since 2020. It's on at the NEC this week and Head of Events Nicola Bell joins us with a preview. Good morning Nicola. Morning. Nice to be back in your regular time slot and are we back to a full-size lammer this year?
0: We are, we are back to a full-size lammer with nearly 600 exhibitors so it's really exciting after three years to be back again in January.
1: And what kind of things, for somebody who's never been to Lammer before, what kind of things can we expect at the show?
0: So LAMA is famous for being the UK launchpad for the latest innovations and in technology and machinery within the farming sector. So we've got lots of new launches from the likes of Fence, Ultra, Unimog, Crone, Agrifac, Manitou, and Missouri are among some of the major manufacturers that are unveiling some of their latest kits. We're really excited to announce that we've got a new demo zone for the first time this year. That will be featuring some um, live demonstrations. So we've got some of the latest launches that I mentioned. Valtra will be in there. McHale and Crown also some ATVs and telehandlers in there that are all powered by alternative fuels. We've also got the return of the Lama Talk sessions so that we'll be looking at lots of like cost saving tips and tricks obviously with escalating costs throughout farming businesses. We'll be looking at regen and carbon farming and there's lots of different sessions in there and then also what we're introducing as well for the first time is a health and well-being zone. Obviously it's such a big issue within the farming sector is just keeping on top of your health both physically and mentally so that's the aim so we'll be working with the farming help charities so that's fcn adlington Fund. also we've got um agri health matters team the nhs who also be giving visitors like a mini health mot
1: and you have a future farming trail what's that all about
0: So that explores the sort of latest technologies that are redefining agriculture. So the big data, robotics, smart tech for livestock, artificial intelligence are all featured in the trails. We have about 13 exhibitors. Those include Merlot, Fox Robotics, Syngenta, and they're showcasing their latest technologies. And it's a trail that the visitors can follow throughout the event linked to the future farming trail we've reintroduced the Lammer innovation awards so that's those exhibitors that are showcasing really innovative pieces of kit so that'll be on show throughout the show as well
1: nicola it's sounding like another great llama just tell us the dates the times and where we can go for more information
0: It's Tuesday the 10th and Wednesday the 11th of January. It is free to attend and the show opens from 8.30 both days and finishes at 5.30 on Tuesday and 4.30 on the Wednesday.
1: And that's at the NEC. And where can we go for more information and to register?
0: Llamashow.com
1: Nicola Bell, Head of Events at AgriConnect. Wish you a very successful show once again. Thanks for joining us on the farming programme this morning.
0: Thank you. Hope to see you there. Bye.
1: If you're a contractor, you have a special area at Lama. NAAC CEO Jill Hewitt, what's this all about?
3: The idea is it's really a sort of, if you like, a safe haven for contractors. Everything tends to be aimed at farmers, so it's really nice this time to have something specifically focused on contractors. We're going to be having tea and coffee, somewhere people can sit down and take some time out from the show. But also then, if they want to get more information, we've got information on specific contractor insurance, on our NAAC assurance scheme. We've got HMLC there to talk about Red Diesel and our safety advisor there as well.
1: Now, you mentioned the assurance standard for contractors. Tell us a little bit about what's involved in that.
3: So it's really about assuring the quality of service of a contractor. So it's proving a contractor's professionalism, we have a feed scheme, seed scheme, potato scheme, and then a general agricultural scheme. Some are required by Red Tractor, some are not. But it's very much about being able to prove to customers the quality of service that a contractor provides.
1: And who's sponsoring the Contractors Lounge for you, Jill?
3: It's generously being sponsored by Fent. So we're really pleased to be working with them. We're in Hall 12 and all contractors are welcome, whether they're members of the NAAC or not. We'll be delighted to see everybody.
1: All right, Jill, look forward to seeing you there.
3: Brilliant. Thank you.
1: And if you go in this week, do let me know. I'll be there on Wednesday all day. It will be good to see you. Although the grain harvest may seem some way off in the distance, there's some new tech from Opico that may help when it comes to drying. After sales director at Opico, Angus Stephen, what can you tell us about the system?
2: This system is helping labour shortages on farm, where we see more and more farms relying on less labour at peak times of the year, harvest being one of those, and An ability to keep in touch with automatic operation of the grain drying machines whilst you are busy focusing on the harvest in field, managing the business from the office, and it allows operator or multiple operators to keep in touch with the grain dryer and know exactly what stage of its uh, sequence it has reached or should there be a problem or a fault something as simple as running out of wet grain coming into the dryer, operators can be made aware of that instantly and can react to it, but they don't have to be stood over the machine all the time.
1: So what does this Magna Dryer Control System actually do then, Angus? Day-to-day, this will take
2: operational control off the machine. When we start the dryer into its operations, it controls the loading, the heating the cooling and the discharge operations of the grain dryer. As long as we have wet grain available to be taken into the machine, um, then that can operate and run 24 hours a day. And the benefits of the, the latest part of the system going into 2023 is that our operator and our management team on the farm can monitor that on a smartphone or on a um, computer and they can watch the process um, remotely throughout its operations. Alarms can be set to notify individual personnel of the stages that it's um, reached in its sequence and we can minimize um, the amount of time that um, we require anyone to come back to the dryer. Um, So if, if an operator knows that Um, it has run out of wet grain, then they can focus and ensure that someone comes back to the dryer as quickly as possible to bring more wet grain to the machine. But if everything is running smoothly, then they know that they can leave that alone. They have monitored it on their smartphone and they can see that potentially it has got another one hour or another hour and a half of processing before it reaches the end of its cycle so um, no one needs to come back to the dryer in that time.
1: Where could we go for more information on this system, Angus?
2: Initially, come to the Opco website and um, we have all the information available on there, including the contact numbers for our regional sales team and our regional dealer network. And alternatively, you can phone to the Opco office where the team here would be more than happy to, to guide you and give, give more
1: details. Angus Stephen, After Sales Director from Opico, thanks for joining us on The Farming Programme this morning. You're welcome.
3: The Farming Programme, with our equipped steel
4: stockholders, with Unbrooke Industrial Estate Grantham,
5: supplying the region for over 40 years.
1: 2022 has to be one of the most challenging years in farming, and generally, of course. Input prices, conflict, political difficulties, supply chain problems all conspired to make it a tough one. Will 2023 be any better? Many doubt it. But what does the National Farmers Union think? I'm delighted to welcome President Minette Batters to the farming programme this morning. Minette, it certainly hasn't been easy, has it?
4: No, it, it really hasn't. And you could say, and many people do say to me, oh, well, you know, you farmers, that you're never happy, are you? But <laughs> I think I think this, for, for me, honestly, in my entire time at the NFU, it's felt very, very unprecedented. The combination of leaving... The EU, the global pandemic when inflation was already starting to bite, and then the war in Ukraine, which has just driven a coach and horses through what we had before and led to a quite extraordinary situation. It doesn't matter who I speak to in the supply chain, everybody but everybody is saying we've never seen anything like this. These costs are unprecedented. It requires action from everybody, and I'd say that's not completely clear yet as to what that's going to look like. But for the intensive sectors, For pigs, for poultry meat, for poultry eggs, for horticulture, potatoes, field veg, it's really been unprecedented and the future, I have to say, looks quite stark unless we can find solutions that don't drive or commit to stopping the contraction that we potentially are going to see.
1: I mean, we actually had quite a decent harvest in many respects, but it needed to be, didn't it, given the ridiculous increase in input costs?
4: Oh, it really did need to be, if it hadn't actually been a good harvest, I slightly dread to think where we would we would be. You know, when you're facing triple digit on fertilizer, you know, prices need, needed to be where they were. I also feel that the uncertainty for farmers and growers in England is really getting to sort of fever pitch now. You've got Scotland and Wales continuing with the status quo of, of BPS payments. And in England, of course, it is all change, but change without the certainty of what that's going to look like.
1: Uh, Talking about elms and replacement for BPS and so on, we've spoken about this numerous times on the farming programme. We still seem to be lacking clarity, don't we, and detail?
4: We absolutely do. And um, to date, you know, we have felt that it's been overly prescriptive and it's not showing the profit that it needs to show for people to engage with it. Farmers are are facing, you know, effectively 50% of their BPS payments being capped. George Easton was very clear that every farmer would be able to reaccess those monies going forwards. I don't see that the SFI is where it needs to be yet. We feel very strongly that the foundation, the baseline, the farm tier effectively has got to have the majority of the budget invested in it. And we've got to get as many farmers in England wanting to take part in, in the new policy. So There's a real danger I think that if it remains too prescriptive, if it's unprofitable, not surprisingly, farmers will not want to engage with it. Farmers really, really do want to engage with public monies for public goods, but it's got to stack up for food production and the environment.
1: Now, while we're on the subject of politics, you've had a meeting with uh, the Prime Minister, Richie Sunak. How did you view that meeting? Do you think the pledges that he made there will come through?
4: Well, you know, at the hustings that we organized back in the summer, he made some very strong commitments to the industry. I've said on many different platforms, it was the most significant commitments to food and farming of any prime minister since the Second World War. And that was the message that I gave back to him when I saw him just before Christmas. He said at that meeting, he said, you know, I I really think we need to pull this domestic food security summit together. You know, I'm happy to chair it. I feel it needs to happen. But everything that he stated needing to be done back in August, there is even greater urgency for it to be done now. So setting a self-sufficiency target, putting a statutory reporting framework in to achieve it and maintain it is absolutely essential. And it's not about protectionism. There are many things that we should be producing much more of here. There are many things that we should be adding value to. That still seems to be something that he absolutely aspires to. But he really does need the interface with number 10, which basically falls to DEFRA, to be championing and delivering on this cause. And and for me, they're not in that space yet. They have to bring in the importance of food production alongside environmental delivery. We've got to have a productive landscape if we're to deliver anything for the
1: environment. Now, there's a danger in a conversation like this, Minette, isn't there, that we could sit here and bemoan everything that's wrong with the industry and what's wrong with politics and everything that happens to to farming. But there have been some successes in the last 12 months, haven't there?
4: Oh, uh, there's been a a lot of successes, actually. And you're right, it's very easy to be glass half empty on, on many things. I mean, when I look at the the battle, if you like, that we've had to achieve a, a seasonal worker scheme that is fit for purpose. You know, it's a huge help to growers to now have an uplift in the numbers. We've got a scheme of 55,000. That will be set over a, a three-year period. And that gives a lot of certainty to growers. When we left the EU, I was absolutely adamant that we had to be matching Australia with technical people, boots on the ground, effectively across the world, opening up these new markets. Back then, We only had one person that levy payers themselves were paying for. And that position was Karen Morgan out in China. We've now got another one in the Middle East and we've had eight new appointments. So we've got 10 in all, which is a a massive boost to our exporting opportunity. And indeed, we've been asked to host them on a farm visit. So I should be very much looking forward to doing that before the end of January. And then they will be heading off specifically opening up agri-food markets across the world, the Prime Minister himself said, you know, How do we grow more of our fruit and vegetables here? We're in the process at the moment of, of finishing, uh, if you like, our, our sort of ambition for a horticultural revolution. We know this can happen, but it's got to be about partnership working. So I think there are a lot of positives out there. A lot of things have happened that are now in a much better place, and we mustn't forget that. So there are strengths in numbers, and we need to, to keep banging the drum, if you like and increasing the positive drumbeat for food production and farming. And all the time, you know, making sure we're committed to delivering more for the environment. If we get the production bit right, we can do the other bit as well.
1: And there has been some funding secured from the government to help with the levelling up of rural communities as well too, hasn't there?
4: Very much. The um, England Prosperity Fund totally focused on levelling up right across the country. We were extremely worried that this was just going to fall into into urban areas. Not at all. It's very much focused on, on productivity out in the countryside, out in rural areas. I'm thinking things like small abattoirs, a lot of the infrastructure that we've seen huge consolidation over. We need to get back to much more of a localised ambition The country is very different. You know, what is going on in in Cumbria is very different to what is going on in Lincolnshire. And we've got to be able to have funding and ambition that is relevant to those local areas. And the Prosperity Fund, I think, goes a long way to achieving that.
1: And how do you see the public support for farming as we go into 2023?
4: I've never taken it for granted. We never can take it for granted. But every retailer I speak to, the demand to buy British only ever grows And we've got to make sure that, you know, the British consumer continually has access to high quality British food. We should be producing much more of what we're good at here. And that needs everybody working together. We primarily, I think, in these intensive sectors, we've got to look at fairness in the supply chain. We've got to have contracts that are fit for purpose. We've got to have contracts that can be renegotiated. We've got huge issues for filled veg, huge issues for potatoes. And this needs everybody stepping up to the mark and everybody working together. My biggest gripe would be I see the farmer and the grower taking far, far too much of the risk. And we've got to make sure that situation is avoided because we want them to be producing more, not contracting their business we're an island nation with 70 million people on it and everybody needs to eat we've seen rationing of eggs i don't want to see any more shortages of anything so there's a market out there that wants to buy more british and i know the people that i represent want to fill it so that's what we need to focus on
1: minette it's been a pleasure talking to you looking back and looking forwards nfu president minette batters thank you so much for joining us on the farming program this morning thanks so much for having me steve Time for our weekly market reports now, starting with livestock from Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Good morning, Oliver.
6: Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth for the first sale of the new year in Louth market. Back with a bang, with records breaking on the first week. Starting with the prime cattle, which see steer sell to two hundred and sixty-eight pence per kilo, or eighteen hundred and seventy-two pounds and fifty pence for J S Paul of Burley Marsh. While the heifers top from the same good home at two hundred and sixty-four pence per kilo, or seventeen hundred and sixty-five pounds and forty-five pence. Onto the store cattle in just a handful and of offer, see steers and bulls top at £970 and £840 for KW Timmins, while the heifers top for CA Oliver at £790. That wraps the cattle up and moving on to the sheep. Uh, a handy show of lambs, see 368 lambs, SQQ at 233.64 pence per kilo, with an all-in average of 233.37 pence per kilo. Again, 70% of the sale this week, all out of spec and over that 48 kilo barrier. Top goes to Messrs. Worrell at 288 pence per kilo and to P.S. Marsden & Sons at 128 pounds per head. Cool use another super show and just a couple off the 100 mark this week. All in average, £93.18 to top at 148 pounds for Messrs. Worrell. A huge thank you to everyone that's been in support of the first sale of Louth this week. We're back on to our regular first and third Mondays of the month store cattle sales and every week is prime and cool cattle and prime ...and call and store sheep with entries required for all sections... please do not hesitate to contact me. Happy New Year to all and this is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you.
1: Thanks Oliver. And how has the grain market performed in the first week of the New Year? Open Fields' Alice Killam. Morning Alice.
5: Good morning Steve. This week's report is not for the faint-hearted I'm afraid. European wheat charts once again move lower in direct response to the falling seabot market... Wednesday saw wheat fall again after Tuesday's American data of some dreadful weekly export figures. The concern is that although the US crops haven't been great, they might still get stuck with it. China would normally be a major buyer from the US, but currently the numbers are substantially lower than a year before. Demand should in theory pick up with the relaxation of Covid restrictions, but fresh Chinese economic data released last weekend didn't look great, with economic activity showing a steep decline. There is lots to read regarding South American weather issues. The main headlines are that Brazil looks too wet, while Argentina is still looking too dry. US-based analyst firm Stonex has cut its Brazilian soybean estimates, but they are still considerably higher than what the USDA are working on. It is way too early to talk an issue up, but it is one story that might just need to be watched. Currently, the global wheat market is ignoring any black sea issues at all, namely the fact that temperatures are to drop to around minus 20 degrees centigrade. This could come and cause a hindrance to exports, but only time will tell. Another fact here to consider would be the insurance of vessels and cargo going forward this year. According to Refinitiv, reinsurers have increased rates on some key business lines by as much as 200% from the start of this calendar year. Unless I've missed something, the global wheat and maize markets particularly seem to be ignoring any issues at all with black Sea grain supplies. Grain is leaving Ukraine under the current agreement managed by Turkey, so all must be fine. Prices are now heading back to pre-conflict levels, with fighting arguably increasing over the Christmas break. Although exports from Ukraine are happening, all of the chat in December about the poor 22 harvest and damage to infrastructure have not gone away. For reference, the current 120-day extension ends mid-March. Back to UK demand, and I suspect we will see most buyers back to their desks next week. Remembering we are followers, not leaders, we must keep an eye on currency. At first we were hindered, but then helped by the weakening pound this week. Next week sees the important January data from the USDA, which will also include quarterly stocks. I will leave you with some positive news. If we think that rapeseed will follow beans, there is a significant increase in the US crushing plants being talked up. This won't necessarily help straight away, but long term it will. And it also means that beans will compete with maize acreage this spring. A strong maize market normally helps wheat. Prices for this week, feed wheat February 225 to 235, April 227 to 237, November 218 to 228, May 24 222 to 232, with milling wheat premiums still holding at around 55 to 60 pounds. Feed barley for February 205 to 215 and May 210 to 220. We still have demand for molting barley, New Year and beyond, so please call for firm values. Finally, your all seed rate prices for this week, February onwards, you're looking around £490 to £500 X Farm.
1: Have a great week, everyone. Thanks as ever, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five day forecast. Low pressure to start the week, bringing blustery, rainy, and chilly days, and then turning colder by the end of the week. Gusty southerlies for Sunday, some light rain, and highs around seven Celsius. The rain veers westerly tomorrow, gusting up to forty miles per hour. More light rain is likely, and highs again around seven. The middle of the week sees some heavier rain and slightly stronger blustery southwesterly winds but a couple of degrees warmer and by the end of the week we're drier and calmer but seeing overnight frosts and daytime highs of 3 or 4 degrees. Next week we'll be reporting from Lama and looking at the seasonal agricultural worker scheme and Sean Sparling's back from his holiday with some important and timely agronomy advice. I'm Steve Orchard, until then, have a great week. The
4: Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Ambrook Industrial Estate Grantham.
5: BSI
4: ISO 9001 Accredited.